it's amazing how many people are in denial. I don't snore. I don't stop breathing. Uh, of course, if the spouse is there, then they say, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> hey there. Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 136 of the Biohacker Babes. I am Lauren tuning in from Maryland, joined by my sister Renee across the country in Las Vegas. Hello, hello. And we have two, count them, two special guests today that were so difficult, but we got them here in person. And yes. guess who? <laughs> it's our mom and dad. Mom and family. dad are with us today. It is a family show. <laughs> All right. Welcome, dad. Eugene Sambatero, welcome to the Biohacker Base podcast for the second time. Thank you. I'm glad and I got welcome. to come back. I guess I did such a good job the first time. I got invited back. You did. Yes. And welcome, Mom, Cindy Sambatero, to the Biohack Roots Podcast. So happy to be here with you guys. Yay. Yay. Mom is a first-timer on the Biohack Babes. Woo. First-timer. Okay. Lots to talk about today. Mom and Dad have a dental practice. They went to dental school together and they now practice for many, many years, but we just wanted to run through quick bios for them. Here's all about mom. She is a Libra. She loves coffee, playing Wordle, reading the Washington Post travel section in the Bay Window on the weekends. And she's a dental hygienist and a fun mom who also loves Supernatural. Anything to add? <laughs> Loving my family most of all. That's my favorite thing. Excellent. Dad is a Gemini, loves to work out, spend time in, in the backyard with his family. He loves to buy about biohacking toys. He loves to play with his biohacking toys. He loves grounding and sunshine and cold plunges. He is a learner for life, more books than I have, and he's a holistic dentist. Welcome, Dad. Anything you want to add? I have cool dad socks. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> Cool dad. Yeah. Fun mom and cool dad. Right. All right, awesome. Renee. Anything to add? Yeah, no, I'm just so excited to finally have the four of us together. We are a biohacking family. And if you want to learn more, we will put more of mom and dad's bios in the show notes if you want to take a deeper dive. But yeah, mom and dad, you have an amazing holistic biological dental practice in Maryland, the Julian Center for Comprehensive Dentistry. And the Julian Center is named after our, well, Lauren and I, our grandfather, dad's dad, Julian. And yeah, we can't wait to dive into sleep apnea, holistic dentistry, maybe some biohacking for families and just have a really fun conversation. And I want to say, and I know mom would agree, we are so proud. We think about when you started this idea way back. I'm sure you could not even imagine that you would be over a hundred podcasts by now. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's hard to believe three years later where we are. It's been a fun journey. Yeah. 
All right, we're going to save the super fun biohacking stuff for the end. Not that we're starting with the boring stuff. We're starting with the important stuff, sleep apnea. So dad, you talked a little bit about this on the podcast first time around. You wrote a book about snoring, sleep apnea, um, and some other disordered breathing. So let's dive back into that topic and maybe go a little bit deeper. And then we want to talk to mom about some trends she's seeing with her patients in relation to diet, lifestyle, sleep, all the goods. Dad, you want to start with a high level sleep apnea? What is it? What are we seeing? What do we need to look out for? Well, we'll go in a broader term, talk about sleep disordered breathing, because that um, encompasses a lot more things than just sleep apnea. Uh, Technically, sleep apnea can be what we call central sleep apnea or obstructive sleep apnea. We don't treat central sleep apnea because that deals with a brain uh, disconnection. So in obstructive sleep apnea, the most common thing for that is the tongue. (laughs) So not necessarily a blue one. Um, but what happens is that the tongue falls in the back of the throat. And this is why, uh, as a dentist, it's so important for us to look at this, including, uh, you know, when mom's doing a hygiene exam, is that let's look at the posture or positioning of the tongue, because that's what's going to cause most of the problem when you talk about obstructive sleep apnea. Uh, you can also have nasal obstruction. We can get into that a little bit, too. Um, but from a dental perspective, of course, we always evaluate for nasal obstruction first, because if they're not breathing through their nose, then they're going to try to breathe through the mouth, which is going to worsen their condition. Because as you all know, and you've talked many times, uh, that's an inefficient way to get oxygen. Uh, you're not using the nose to get nitric oxide, uh, filter the air and humidify the air. And this causes drying out of the mouth. And that's one of the things mom will get into in terms of causing cavities because you're breathing through your mouth. Uh, but that uh, inflammation in the back of the throat causes swelling of the tongue. This is a pretty common thing you'll see in kids when uh, they have allergies and they can't breathe through their nose, they breathe through their mouth. And mouth breathing actually causes more inflammation in the back of the throat, enlarging the tongue and the tonsils. And what's the solution? Take the tonsils and adenoids out. Well, how about let's get them on some kind of treatment to address the allergies, whether environmental allergies or food sensitivities, uh, address that first, cause them to breathe back through their nose teach them not to breathe through their mouth, and we can see some inflammation in the back of the throat actually go down. They're actually breathing better. I mean, obviously, allergy sounds like it's the number one cause of this nasal congestion, but are there other causes, and do some people not even realize that they have that going on, the congestion? Yes. Uh, and, you know, we evaluate that on our on the CT 3D cone beams because we can see uh, things like deviated septums, we can see mucus in the sinuses, we can see uh, inflammation of the any of the turbinates, the right and left inferior, middle, or superior turbinates. When we see that, we suspect. And it's amazing, and I know you guys see this probably all the time, how many people have uh, obstructive nasal conditions due to either environmental toxins, uh, all, the, you know, all the pollutants in the air, but then the food sensitivities. And, and I talk to patients all the time, you've ever had a food sensitivity panel? Oh no, I don't. I don't have any allergies. I said, and I'm talking about allergies. I'm talking about food sensitivities. You know, gluten, dairy, wheat, soy, and it's oh yeah, I'm sensitive to that. Then you can see it because then we're, I'm sitting there in front of them with their X-ray on the screen, and you can see the obstruction in the nasal passage. And then when you look at the profile, you'll see that the blockage occurs high up in the nasopharynx uh, due to this nasal congestion. But then you also see the obstructed tongue or soft palate. 
Can we take a step back and explain what the cone beam is? I don't think a lot of people are familiar with that. What is it? Are most dentists okay. doing it? Uh, they should be. I think it. <laughs> I think they shouldn't be practicing without it. So uh, um, we are three-dimensional human beings. So we're not flat Stanley. So uh, we should be think, looking at things from a three-dimensional perspective. And that's the only way you can really see some of these things, especially the airway. So we can actually measure airway diameter starting all the way from the nasopharynx going all the way down, all the way down to even like the epiglottis, uh, which is that little flap that you know blocks the uh, food from going into the lungs. And then we can see things like um, jaw position. We can see TMJ dysfunction. Uh, it's just a, a better way of, of viewing because you're taking a, a slice of a human being and looking at different sections. When you're looking at, say, a panoramic x-ray, which is kind of uh, typical for most dentists, that's a 2D picture. You're going to miss a lot of stuff. I loved getting my cone bean scan. I just totally nerded out. I thought it was so fascinating to see just the whole structure. You can even see the cervical spine a little bit too, right? And I, I just love like, I love looking for symmetry and it was just fascinating to see right and left, top to bottom. And I did have some inflammation in my turbinate. So I did like a little bit of a protocol. I'm not sure that it's totally cleared, but that seemed to confirm some suspicions that my breathing was maybe a little obstructed. Yeah, and we will address that, obviously, with some kind of nasal decongestion, whether you're using something like uh, colloidal silver or X-Clear, or my favorite new thing is a nebulizer. So you can nebulize with hydrogen peroxide, uh, glutathione, isotonic uh, saline. So there's lots of things you can do that. Because if we have a patient who's got obstructive sleep apnea, and we're going to make an appliance and put that in their mouth, Understand that that's now occupying part of the space where the air is trying to come through because they're a mouth breather. So we're going to address the nasal blockage first. And then what happens quite often just through uh, repetitive breathing through the mouth, they actually don't know how to breathe through their nose. So even though once you clear the nasal passage, you got to reteach them. Uh, my favorite one is, and there's several, and I know you all talk about this all the time, uh, is butico breathing. It's a great way to take a mouth breather and teach them how to be a nasal breather. Um, and there's many other techniques. So once we do that, then we can start to look at putting an appliance in their mouth. Well, I'll go take a step back. Uh, obviously, for sleep apnea, the number one still gold standard is a CPAP, uh, continuous pressures, pressure apparatus, uh, which to me is a good appliance. It actually works, but most people are not compliant with it. They hate it. I think I said this on the first one that I think it was Roseanne Barr said it's a perfect uh, um, birth control. Birth control. Yeah. <laughs> so, Not sexy. So, so the second second option is if we get into into the um, treatment aspects is uh, some kind of appliance to pull their jaw forward, which automatically pulls their tongue out of the back of the throat, clears the obstruction. Or our favorite way is to actually expand three dimensionally. So we're talking about lateral, anterior, posterior, and a vertical. To make more room for the tongue, teach them how to properly swallow, teach them again how to breathe through the nose. So it's a whole process. Uh, and of course, that involves then some nutrition and diet to get them off the dairy, get them off the soy, get them off the gluten. And that's going to make a huge difference. And we're testing. We're doing, uh, I think this is, besides the 3D comb beam, I think the home sleep study has been one of the best advancements we have to use in the office because now we can send people home the same day, test tonight or even tomorrow night, two nights. And we got results that quickly. It's amazing how many people are in denial. <laughs> I mean, they just, I don't snore. I don't stop breathing. 
Uh, of course, if the spouse is there, then they say, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> I can remember back, uh, Cindy, you'll remember, this, there was a patient who uh, came in with a recording from his family. He lived alone, didn't know they snored. And uh, I forget what the decibel level it was pretty high. And he brought it in. And uh, I think, Cindy, you listened to it and you told me, so let's do a home sleep study. Uh, he had no idea. His AHI, apnea, hypopnea index, which is measuring number of apneic events, means you actually stop breathing. Hypopnea means your oxygen level is dropping at least by 4%. Five and under is considered normal. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that as far as the metric. Five to 15 is mild. 15 to 30 is moderate. And above 30 is severe. His was in the 60s. Severe, severe sleep apnea. Uh, he was extremely overweight, large neck. Had, but had no clue. So this guy was one breath away from, you know, a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, so we so we made a difference in his life uh, just by that simple test. So you saved his life. Oh, Can I yes. Say? Yes, mom, please jump in. Um, and you mentioned he was large and a thick neck, but many people think, oh, especially women, well, I'm not at risk. I'm a woman. I'm small. But you'd be surprised. Sometimes very petite women can have sleep apnea and be totally unaware. So the home sleep study is a really simple thing to hook yourself up, takes a couple minutes and sleep with it for a couple hours at night. And we get tremendous feedback. And we also find out if they're clenching their teeth. It also records the number of times during the night that they clench, which is Sometimes clenching is related to that. The body, when you're not breathing properly, will clench and it helps to open that airway and people aren't aware. And we'll see signs like their teeth are very worn down. So we say, you're clenching. They're like, no, I'm not clenching. But the right. study will show that. So it's a very helpful tool. Wow. How many times have we been told when we notice that the teeth are worn down? Oh, no, I don't, I don't clench my teeth. My, the previous dentist ground them down. I'm like, <laughs> you can see the wear pattern between the upper and lower teeth. And um, the gums too, right? You're not just- Well, you'll get recession. And one of the most common reasons for recession is not from brushing too hard, but from the force that's exerted uh, and the long axis of the tooth causes a stripping away of the gum tissue. So it's, it, it's all interesting because if you look on the sleep report, you'll see like right before uh, or right after they have an apneic event, they, they're clenching their teeth. You can see that actually on the report. So we know they're clenching, as as Cindy said, to uh, open up that airway. It's a response. So let me just add one more thing, because uh, Cindy did mention about young females who are thin. There is something called upper airway resistance, uh, which is quite common also. It's a little bit different in how it happens in terms of uh, in uh, sleep apnea, you tend to uh, have a airway obstruction and then you kind of pause and, and gas your breath. In upper airway resistant, it actually is a reverse process. And you may not even pick it up on a sleep apneic uh, test. In some uh, sleep studies that are done at sleep centers, they can pick this up. It's, you got to have somebody, a sleep physician, who's very, very good at picking that up. Because quite often, we will send even you know women who look, uh, look pretty healthy. They're thin. They don't have big necks. But we suspect that they're clenching their teeth. It comes back and their AHI is below five. And I suspect then we send them off to have a further test to see if they have upper airway resistance. Uh, the treatment is actually the same. It's just that the diagnosis. So it's a little bit crazy in terms of medical intervention and how they interpret it. So, and I think the most crazy thing to me is if someone has an AHI of 4.9 and one has 
of 5.1. Does one have sleep apnea and the other one doesn't? So, so you got to look even further. So you got to look at what's the pattern on the teeth. What's the, we call malampati. So if I stick my tongue out and look in the back of the throat, I should be able to see the tonsil area and the uvula. Uh, if, it, if they're a malampati form and you can't see any of that, uh, you see wear on the teeth. You see on the comb beam, a very narrow airway. And probably most important from a subjective standpoint is the Epworth sleepiness. If they have an Epworth sleepiness score above seven, uh, they've got some daytime sleepy issues and they probably shouldn't be driving. So then if they have an AHI below five, then I suspect they have an upper airway resistance. And we'll try and find a link for that sleep questionnaire because that's really helpful. I think people can just do it online for free, right? And see. Yes. yes. So everyone do that at home. That's really helpful. I wanted to circle back to what you said about the testing, like 4.9 versus 5.1. That's why you need a practitioner that's looking at the whole picture. They're looking at really optimization. You know, I think of something like vitamin D. If someone is 29, they're vitamin D deficient. But if they're 31, they're fine. It's like, that's not the whole picture. We have, we have lots of work to do. So yeah, that's really Very similar. Yeah. So That's where it takes uh, experience and your clinical uh, interpretation of what's going on. Yeah, you know, that, of course, obviously involves talking to the patient. Because sometimes, I, I mean, probably the number one thing I'll see when I ask and I see a very narrow airway, my first question, how is your energy level? Do you wake up feeling fatigued? Do you feel like you can sleep 10 hours and still feel tired? Then we, there's a problem that we need to dig deeper to figure out, like, what's going on with this person. And an interesting thing I've also found out is that when we correct the sleep apnea, sometimes underlying that is insomnia. So when you have moderate to sleep apnea, you are so tired (laughs) that you're going to sleep through the night. When you correct the airway and they're breathing, now they're not as tired. The brain starts working and they're waking up in the middle of the night with insomnia. So so you got another issue to deal with. That feels devastating. (laughs) Yeah. You fix one thing and just uncover another. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Got to peel the layers back. Well, and I know you all have talked about mouth, mouth taping. um, (laughs) I wanted to ask you that next. I know we just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Please let's hear it from you because all the rage and it's just, if I see another Instagram reel about you have to mouth tape at night, I'm going to delete my Instagram. (laughs) You're right. It's a rage. Why do these things catch on and everyone thinks that's the answer? Well, here's the problem is obviously if you're not, we just talked about that. If you're not breathing through your nose and you're a mouth breather and you tape your mouth, hello, Just suffocate <laughs> where's the oxygen getting into your body? <laughs> through your ears? <laughs> so it's very, very important that whoever's considering if they are a mouth breather, they need to be looking and being careful and making sure. And there's a simple thing you can do. Um, so I have people just hold one side and see if they can breathe, see if there's valvular collapse, then I'll do the other side. And then I'll have them take a deep breath and hold it and then put their hand over their mouth. I mean, so I mean, over their, uh, yeah, over their mouth and uh, see if the air is flowing through their nose. So if they're not doing that, you don't want to be mouth taping. So. Yeah. What about... Respiratory rate. Now that a lot of people, especially that listen to this podcast, have you know the Aura Ring, BioStrap, Whoop, things like that, where they're able to see overnight respiratory rate. Is that something that you look at with patients and talk about, like with data, to see if that's a sign of sleep apnea? We do, yeah. Because I mean, mainly to see if they're in a sympathetic or parasympathetic state 
during their sleep. And so you will see when uh, they get into, let's say, um, a severe apneic event where they're gasping for air, you'll see that they'll go into a fight or flight state. So they're not resting. So the respiratory rate will automatically go up. Uh, their heart rate will go up. I mean, just like anybody who's in the fight or flight state. Uh, obviously, you don't want to be in a fight or flight state while you're sleeping. <laughs> not ideal. Yeah. So if someone is in that fight or flight state and they, the mouth taping would be contraindicated, if they do mouth tape, are they going to be really irritated halfway through the night? Like, will they have an immediate reaction and realize that it's not good for them? Or could you be doing it just to damage and not realize? You may not realize it. And I always recommend try mouth taping. Like, don't brush your teeth, put the mouth tape and jump into bed. <laughs> like, try the mouth taping during the day and see if it's affecting you. And But most people, you know, they'll just put it right on and jump into bed. Never, never tested it. So you want to see how your body's reacting. And I do. And there are certain mouth tapes. Obviously, you don't want to use something like duct tape. I mean, <laughs> you want if you are in distress during the night, you want to be able to pull it off. Uh, immediately. So, um, that's Plus a good question. Toxic, I'm sure it has yeah. toxic glue on it. Like, Oh ugh. gosh. Yeah. Ingesting that. But I don't know if you need to like get rid of some mustache hairs, you know, <laughs> two birds, Dual purpose. two for one. Yeah. yeah. Would you recommend experimenting with exercise during the day or just yeah, I think you could do that. hour where you're not really doing anything intense? Well, and I know you all talk about that. And I remember studying back in the nineties, Ayurvedic medicine, and it was, a uh, I forget the exercise phys- exercise physiologist who was an Ayurvedic practitioner who said, you know, if, when you exercise, obviously, if you got to breathe through your mouth, then you need to slow down a little bit. And so, yes, you could do that. And that's one way you could do it. Uh, mouth tape while you're, I don't know, whatever, you're on the treadmill or you're going for a run, something, something pretty intense uh, to see how you're responding. Yeah. Mom, any right. thoughts on mouth taping or anything you're seeing in the chair with your patients? Uh, I just want to add with mouth taping, I mean, just breathing through the nose in general, you guys just recently covered this, how important it is for the quality of the air and the oxygenation of your body. Because when you breathe in through your nose, you get the nitric oxide receptors that produce the nitric oxide. And that's just the type of air we want to breathe anyway. Mm. Um, What I will notice is sometimes inflammation in the gums around the front teeth and only around the front teeth and not related to how well people are cleaning. So that's a big key to me that people are mouth breathing when they're sleeping is red gums on the front teeth. And that's something people can look in the mirror at home and see, how are my gums? Are they the same color back and front? If they're red around the front teeth, very good chance you're mouth breathing. Interesting. I love like little tips and tricks we could just start looking for without, you know, going to. Yeah. And here's the uh, worst scenario is your, um, your, you have nasal obstruction, so you're not getting any nitric oxide there. Uh, you're breathing through your mouth, and you're starting to see this redness in your gum. So, oh, I'll just use some Listerine uh, as a mouthwash. And now you change the microbiome, and you reduce the nitric oxide in the mouth also. And I know you all talked about this in one of your podcasts. And Nathan, Brian actually talked and gave a talk about um, increased blood pressure from people using specific mouthwashes. Because obviously, you reduce your nitric oxide, um, that can raise your blood pressure. So I thought that was pretty wow. alarming. I mean, being a biological dentist for all these years to hear that, wow, using an alcohol-based um, mouthwash or anything that's killing the microbiome, you could actually have a secondary effect of high blood pressure. Who would have yeah. thought? 
And which, so in your practice, you do still offer mouthwash because some people still want that, but you use like a xylitol-based clear mouthwash wash that's alcohol-free. Also Thieves mouthwash. Essential right? oil. Essential oil. I, I tell them to use it sparingly unless they've got you know, active periodontal disease. Like you don't really need to use mouthwash every single night, you know, if you're brushing and flossing properly, right? So you see that. I mean, oh, but yeah. people, some people go, they go crazy with the mouthwash. You know? And it's just not necessary. Like like a person that I worked with who would take Listerine and decided if a little is good, more is better and would hold it in their mouth the whole way driving to work. <gasps> and the tissue inside the mouth was literally peeling off. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Good. Seriously. Wow. Just like wow. burned away the layer. Yeah. Of, yes. Just peeling off. Oh, but here's God. a tidbit for your audience. If they want to use Listerine, it's great for toe fungus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We're not going to be screwing out of business. There is, <laughs> there is a use. Kind of like with Clorox bleach. I know, Dad, I told you a friend of mine, his dentist was recommending to use Clorox bleach in his mouth for his gum disease. But in the instructions, it said, do not get it on your clothes. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to ruin your clothes, but a little disclaimer that is a standard of care in periodontal treatment, but it's completely diluted down. Um, we yeah, don't but aren't there better options today? Oh yeah. There's other Absolutely. options. I mean, even hydrogen peroxide, if you want to get really basic, but mm. you mentioned some of the other things, whether it's clear tooth and gum, which is an herbal product, thieves, mouthwash. I mean, so many other different great things, or, you know, what I'm recommending on almost every single patient, new patient comes in, if they have any gum inflammation, I tell them, look, there's something you can do immediately tonight and make a change, start oil pulling. And so I tell them about, oh, you know, my daughters were on Dr. Oz back in 2013. They talked about oil pulling because it's funny because, and Cindy, you probably experienced, people will come in and say, have you ever heard of oil pulling? <laughs> uh, yes, we have. I saw it on Dr. Oz. <laughs> That's funny. Did the two girls look like that? me? <laughs> <laughs> they look like those girls. Okay, well, can we have a healthy debate about this? Because I know mom is not really a big fan of oil pulling. No. You want to I make your piece? <laughs> yes, and here's my part. It, it's to do it correctly, it's 15 to 20 minutes of holding that in your mouth, which creates almost a soap effect. If people would spend a good two minutes cleaning their mouth well, brushing, flossing, rinsing, uh, it's up to them. But I think 20 minutes versus just a good two minutes of cleaning well. Are trying to oil pull instead of doing the work clean. Well, I don't. Well, here's what I. I mean, I'm saying you need, still need to brush and floss. Okay. okay. This is uh, this is upon the first uh, appointment, new patient evaluation. I said this is something you can do tonight. Five minutes. That's all. You don't. The ten to fifteen minutes is actually so you create full systemic detoxification because you're stimulating circulatory system and the lymphatic system. But for oral use, five minutes is plenty. Plenty of time. So, and I don't say. And I tell them, I said, this is not something you're going to do forever. I said, just right now, you need a big hit because you're, I mean, I'm probing these pockets and they're bleeding. I mean, that's a very bad sign. I mean, it's no different if you're washing your hands and started bleeding. Yeah. I just want to add in one more thing that maybe goes between the two is to not use an acidic oil. Because I think back in 2013, when this was blowing up, you were starting to see that, and mom probably more so, that people were doing it so much with acidic oil and it was wearing off the enamel, right? Right. Yeah. But the traditional oil is sesame oil, but 
most people in America don't want to swish with sesame oil because it tastes terrible. So then people were like, oh, just use coconut oil. Coconut oil does everything, right? But that's more acidic. So I know in your office, you have the Skinny & Co. oil, which they took coconut oil and found a way to make it alkaline. Right. So that gets rid of one of the problems. But I think a lot of people are just like taking their coconut oil from their pantry and swishing with it. Yeah. And we definitely, and I do tell that's them that. Me. I tell them. That's Sesame. me. I love it. Oh, <laughs> I had peppermint. I tell them, I've had a few patients that I actually like sesame oil. I said, well, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it tastes once you have it in your mouth. You're really not tasting it. Yeah. I know it sounds weird. You don't taste it. I know. I mean, I used to do that back in the day because that was all there was sesame mm-hmm. oil, but that's the traditional Ayurvedic way. Right. Yes. All right. Case closed. <laughs> uh, can we do just like a, a quick, maybe some recommendations for like your favorite toothpaste, floss? You have just like basic hygiene recommendations. I'm sure. I feel like I get that question a lot. Can you ask your mom and dad? Hey, biohackers. We have a brief interruption in today's episode to tell you about one of our favorite ways to buy some of our favorite organic non-GMO grocery staples. This is Thrive Market. It's an online. The website is Thrive Market, and we get so many of our favorite products from the site. Some of the things I really like to buy are the organic olive oil and avocado oil, other food items, everything from that to like, I get my laundry detergent, my body wash, even my Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee. I get everything in one place. And it's just so convenient that within like a day or two, it shows up at my front door. And I know it's all really good quality stuff and it's all discounted. So it's really good prices on all of my favorite things. Uh, Lauren, what are some of your favorite products that you get from Thrive Market? everything that they sell, everything. There's so many fun things. I think this place is like Disneyland. I used to go to Whole Foods just because I thought the store was so pretty and I walk around and I buy things I didn't need. And now a Thrive Market, well, one, you get a 30%, up to a 30% discount. So the prices are way more friendly, but just really cool stuff like paleo and keto coffee creamers. You can basically buy almost the entire primal kitchen line, sauces, dressings, mayos, which are incredible if you haven't tried them. Things like jerky, I'll stock my cabinet with grain-free crackers or chips so other things don't end up in the cabinet, if you know what I mean. (laughs) They also have tons of beauty products, so they're all EWG certified. So if you go onto that website to check your beauty products, you could head over to Thrive to actually purchase them. And they are just always adding new companies, new products. There's always a new weekly discount and you always get freebies in your cart. So if you want to try something, if you're not familiar with the company, add a freebie, try it out. Best part, now they have organic, sustainable meat and seafood and clean wine. So it has really grown from just a pantry staple to a full grocery lifestyle experience. Yeah, it's so perfect for today's world too. We can get it all online. And I love that the company is always researching new products and they have a very high standard of what they allow to be sold on the website. So we're big fans. So if you want to check it out, check out the show notes for today. We will put the Thrive Market link in there and that link will automatically give you 25% off your first order. And that is on top of the regular discount. So if you want to try a bunch of things, head over, fill up that shopping cart, and you'll get it in the next couple of days. High quality at a discount. What is not to love? Head over to the Thrive Market. 
I'll I'll speak to that. Um, I usually defer to. I say you need to talk to Cindy. <laughs> That's what I think. Talk Cindy. <laughs> floss for people that don't like to floss or find it hard. A lot of them were using a floss that was super slippery, and we found that that has an ingredient on the coating that makes it slippery that is toxic or could be a forever chemical. So we really encourage people not to use something like that. Um, any wax floss is fine. Really, you got to go by how tight your teeth are. I prefer a slightly thicker. Floss. There's a couple good ones. Like I love Smart Floss. It's Dr. Tung, T-U-N-G, and that's available everywhere. And then there's some other nice charcoal ones that have a little more grip to it. You want something that's going to pull the plaque out instead of just bypass it and be too slippery. What, what about, about cocoa? Oh, the cocoa floss? That's a good floss. Anything, okay. just really try it. Everybody's teeth are a little different. What works for you? What's What feels right to you? One thing I do know, sitting on your floss. counter, it doesn't work. <laughs> right. And yeah. as far and we know it's how many times, Cindy, do you get patients that say, I floss every night? And we're like, there's no way. Mm. If you are, you you must be flossing like one tooth. But it's, some people are more sensitive than others, right? I know I have to floss every single day, where apparently Jeremy can get away with that all the time. <laughs> Did I say that? I get away with it too. I don't tend to build up a lot of plaque. So, but so others. It's not one be, size fits all. Right. No. Uh, that's that's in that that's the importance of why because people wonder why do I need to if my mouth feels healthy why do I need to go and have it checked on a regular basis because there's just things you're not aware of you know and that could be one thing you're just you know and I always bring that up in the new patient uh, consultation I said you have some bleeding guns but I'm going to leave it to the hygienist Cindy my wife to evaluate is there some tools or areas that you she can help you with because there's some areas here you're missing. So I can't tell you how many times a new patient will say, you know, maybe they haven't been in a couple of years. Well, I haven't gone to the dentist because everything feels fine, but so often that's not the case. So you really aren't always aware when there's a problem. Yeah. Same as like general lab work. If you don't get it done, it's like, well, we don't know it's creeping under the surface until it's way too much of a problem. So right. great. No. I would love to push on and talk about some nutrition lifestyle stuff that maybe mom you're seeing in, in your patient's mouths. Yeah. A big one that we were talking about is people that don't include meat in their diets. So we're talking about somebody on a vegan or vegetarian diet. Uh-oh. I find, we go. and I know this is tread, tricky water to tread, but I do see more decay. I can't tell you all the factors that are involved, but I see it. And people, I would agree. Like, but I eat healthy. I eat, I eat a vegetarian or a vegan diet. And Jean, you see that too. You would agree. Absolutely. What exactly are you seeing? Well, just more decay, more frequent decay, decay in areas that we wouldn't normally see. Like normal, the top of the tooth where the grooves are. But we're seeing it between the teeth, on the sides of the teeth. And when their hygiene is pretty good. So we can't look and say, well, you're just not cleaning well. It's like there's some other factor. And yeah, and the... And the and the Got type it. of decay, it's, it seems to be, uh, I would say, softer. Like I can sometimes used to, I don't have to use a drill, I can use a hand instrument. I'm like, it's like eaten away, like moth eaten um, that you just don't typically see. Uh, so, the only place, I'd say the only place else we see that are on elderly patients who are on uh, lots of medication. With elderly patients, you have a dryness factor. And that combination of eating sweets, dry mouth, that's a real huge thing. So is it the vegan diet not eating meat or is it the type of things that they are eating? Maybe more carbohydrates, more simple carbs, because that's certainly going to increase decay. 
Yeah. Well, I think well, we I all experienced that at the yoga retreat. <laughs> oh, right. We our first go. vegetarian weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, I just wanted to throw in, I think a huge thing is that they're missing quite often the fat-soluble vitamins. And we mm. all learned that originally from Weston Price's research, right? right? He called it, what did he call vitamin K2? The X factor. The X factor, yes. So Weston Price didn't know back in the day what was the difference between the dental health and the diets. And this X factor was actually vitamin K2, which is important for teeth and bones. And so mom, you mentioned elderly I mean, their bones are also breaking down. Their teeth are breaking down. There's definitely a link there. But I think if you want to be on a plant-based diet, I think you really need to be looking at vitamins A, D, and K for sure. Yeah. The mouth is truly the window to the rest of the body. So when I see enamel breaking down, which is the hardest substance in the body, what else is happening inside the body that we can't see? I mean, if it is a vitamin D or K2 deficiency, calcium, magnesium, and you know some micronutrients too, like uh, biotin and uh, things that these patients are deficient in. And of course, again, without getting too deep into this, what what is their what is their digestive system? What, what is their microbiome? Is it strictly the vegetarian diet, or are they not? Are they poor absorbers? What I mean, something's going on. But certainly, you look in the mouth and you go. This is not healthy. So what else is going on in the rest of the body? Yeah. I feel like going to the dentist should be your first line of medical care, right? Absolutely. Like the dentist well, will say- you're not going to get any argument from us. <laughs> yeah. You're not going out of business anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you can, like you said, look into the rest of the body, that's really priceless. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'll say with patients in my chair that come in that are pretty good brushers, but their just mouth is filled with plaque. That's where I go right to diet. I mean, they're definitely eating a more simple carb diet, maybe too much sugar, more frequent sugar. I have a few patients that I know were on a strict zero sugar diet. They have no plaque on their teeth when they come in. I mm. really think that's a huge issue is wow. the type of food you're eating. Well, I mean, Weston Price would absolutely uh, agree with that. I mean, if you read his book, um, uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. I mean, he looked at those cultures around the world. I mean, he went into the remote areas of the world. They didn't have a dentist. They didn't have an orthodontist. They didn't have a Colgate uh, toothpaste with fluoride. They had no cavities, no gum disease, and perfectly straight teeth. Like, what's going on here? Not a place where you want to set your dental practice up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay, you just mentioned a really big word, fluoride. That's a big word. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Well, um, I I think it has some, it can have some positive effects if used properly, but you you certainly got to be careful about the toxicity of it. I think our communities are now over fluoridated, uh, especially if you're drinking water out of a faucet. So you're getting it there. Um, Some dentists put their patients, especially pediatric patients on fluoride prescriptions. Uh, then they load their mouth up with fluoride trays, uh, profi paste that has fluoride in it, fluoridated toothpaste to use at home, fluoridated mouthwash to use at home. It's an over fluoridation where uh, in our practice, and Cindy, you can elaborate on this, we'll use it. Well, I say she'll use it for specific cases and very, very definitive on where she's using it. Right. Because most of the research is just looking at it topically versus the research of you know, communities that are fluoridating their water. We're seeing lower IQ. Now we're seeing calcification of the pineal gland, right? There's a lot of other issues downstream. Yeah, you get skeletal fluorosis is pretty common. So 
it's interesting because they okay, well, I'm just putting it on my toothbrush, but you can't, especially a child, they're going to swallow some of it, you know. And, and then call the, poison control. Right. If you swallow, call poison control. That that right there is a clue uh, that there's a problem. So I think using it sparingly, and Cindy, you can talk a little bit about how you'll sometimes use it just uh, in very specific cases. Right. Well, I will. And we have a patient population that seems to be very adverse to fluoride. And so I educate them. I think topically on the teeth, carefully used, it can be beneficial. It's certainly with sensitive teeth. I will recommend a fluoride product they can use at home and just use it cautiously. I tell them drinking it in your water is far more harmful. Getting onto the bones, it picks up in the calcium receptor sites in your bones. But topically on the teeth when managed properly can be a helpful solution to sensitive teeth and decay prevention. I mean, I like some other products too, MI paste and um, tooth right. builder. You have some non-fluoride alternatives, correct? Yeah. Tooth builder, which has calcium phosphorus in it. I mean, you can, you can put that, you can swab that on your teeth and leave it on the teeth overnight. If you swallow it, it's not toxic. So a lot of times I'll do that. It's very, I like it because it's pretty tenacious. So I can leave it on the tooth and it'll stay there all night. Um, so you're getting some protective measures throughout the night which is probably most important because that's when your mouth is the driest. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a good word. <laughs> so maybe the biggest issue is just that we're being bombarded by environmental toxins, heavy metals. Maybe if we weren't getting it from all these other places, a little bit in your dental hygiene routine wouldn't be so bad, but we need to build right. like I mean, a it's, larger There have been reports. Uh, I mean, this has happened. There have been children that have died from overfluoridation in the dental practice. Yep. It ended up swallowing too much and went into a coma. It's rare, but it has happened. Jeez. I mean, how horrible would that be to have a, have a child die in your, as a consequence of giving them fluoride? You know? When going back, uh, and, and your audience is the right audience, is it's about nutrition. You know, if the nutrition right, and Cindy talked about it, uh, people who aren't consuming a lot of sugars, they have very little plaque. Uh, so the whole process of you know, bacteria and plaque producing that acidic erosion, if you can eliminate that, maybe you don't need to even brush and floss or use mouthwash or, <laughs> or oil foiling. Don't, uh, I'm not recommending your audience to do that. The nutrition is a huge factor. Absolutely. Yeah. So if someone comes in and, and they feel pretty lost, maybe you've seen a lot of decay and you talk to them about diet and they have no clue, what, maybe like what are the three biggest things that you would recommend for them to start with? Nutrition advice. Nutrition? Well, I talk about, as far as sweets, anything sweet, it's the frequency that matters. Um, mm-hmm. Use the example of M&Ms. You'd be better off eating a bag in one sitting and no sugar the rest of the day than to eat one M&M every 30 minutes. So it's frequency that will kill the teeth if you eat it a little bit here and there. Mm. And also to add to that, that's the worst time to then brush your teeth right after that. Because what happens when the uh, sugar creates the acid that's on your teeth, if the acid's on your teeth and you start scrubbing your teeth, that'll actually wear the enamel away. So the best thing to do if you are that sugar alcoholic uh, fanatic, uh, sugar, uh, sugar alcohol, not alcoholic. (laughs) Sugar alcoholic. Sugar alcoholic. Oh, no. I thought sugar alcohols were good. Yeah. So uh, you want to just take some water and rinse your mouth out and spit out. That's That's a better better option. Yeah. But I think that's the intuition. A lot of people are like, Oh, I got to get the sugar off my teeth really quick. Yeah. And as Cindy said, um, it's frequency. So if you're popping a bag of M&M, if you're eating a, whatever, a 10 pound bag of M&Ms in one sitting, that's better than 
you know, one pound every hour. Um, and obviously probably from an overall health perspective too, because what's that? You're spiking your glucose throughout the day. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah. I was going to compare it to the blood sugar roller coaster. You're better off eating two or three meals a day than eating every hour on the hour for 12 hours. Right. I'm just going to spike it to 180 once. <laughs> okay. We are not recommending you eat an entire bag of M&Ms right now. <laughs> no. Yeah. So a lot of the things that you all talk about are very pertinent to what we're seeing uh, in our office. And it's probably why, you know, I always say, look, we're, we're trying to actually go out of business by providing and recommending prevention. It's not going to happen. Not in this country. Uh, because it is so dietary related, uh, we have the, the worst diets in the world in this country. And so we're going to constantly see there's always going to be a need for the, the work that we do. Sad. Literally. Yeah. Standard American diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think, uh, and we certainly talked about this on the first podcast, but I'll just mention real quick. I mean, once the teeth start to break down, the next step is then a dentist intervention and is the dental intervention always the best treatment so you get a cavity and someone puts a mercury amalgam filling in there uh besides the toxicity of the mercury these uh fillings cause expansion contraction of the teeth and end up fracturing and then you need a crown or a root canal so so this is snowballing effect that occurs once the tooth is uh intervened with some type of dental therapy so really the idea is still prevention and we're seeing lots of, we, you know, being a holistic practice, we see a lot of very unhealthy people. We're having a lot of serious health issues because we get a lot of referrals from physicians. Uh, and a lot of it is stemming from what's happening in the mouth, whether it's a mercury filling or root canal, periodontal disease. I mean, there's no argument whatsoever, right, Cindy and I in the hygiene world, that periodontal disease is related to cardiovascular and diabetes. I mean, that's a pretty close link. I mean, mercury filling, Jaw infections not not as clear um, from standard dental practices, but from our perspective, it is. Wow! Any last insights, nope. words, advice to share? I would. Well, depending on the audience, you have a pretty healthy audience. But if they're having a re- reoccurring health issues and they've kind of checked all the boxes off, find a biological dentist and see if there might be something contributing. Uh, and, and to me, the first, the first pillar of health is sleep. Then I think diet and, and exercise. But if you're not sleeping, it doesn't really matter how well you're eating, how much you're exercising. And as dentists, we, we are really the prime people to get involved in your sleep apneic events. So other than board-certified sleep physicians, most physicians have no idea how to treat this. They'll just write a script for a CPAP. So think about, and then, you know, the problem with the CPAP, it causes, it dries out the mouth. Um, you're pretty much on that for life. And of course, now with um, recent recalls in some of the CPAP machines, because they had toxic mold in them, um, do you really <laughs> want to consider that? Uh, so we've got, we've got a, you know, a long-term solution um, that can get you out of a CPAP and breathing well at night and de- really dealing with the sleep apnea because, I'll just go back. I know we're probably getting close on time because you, Renee, you mentioned Western Price. So it was not just the um, nutrition part of it. It's because these natives were eating raw food and chewing. So they were getting the nutrients they needed, but also the chewing mechanism allowed the, the growth and development of the jaw structures. 
And that then opened up the airway. So they didn't have airway issues. So that's another thing, you know, that Cindy and I look at when we're doing an exam. Do they have narrow arches? Are they crowded? Is the tongue have scalloping on the sides? These are all indications that poor growth and development that didn't occur because one, not not weren't breastfed long enough, and two, uh, the early introduction of soft foods, which is probably one of the worst things because you got to chew to stimulate bone growth. I have a question about that. As far as our teeth, I hear this argument all the time: like our teeth are meant to be, we're supposed to be carnivores or omnivores, or we're only supposed to eat plants. When you look at the teeth, what what is your answer to that? What are our teeth meant to chew? Well, if you look at our teeth, they're very diverse. So you have incisors that serve a certain different function than canines and molars that serve a different function. So molars are more like, uh, you know, being able to chew uh, almost like a cow, <laughs> but cows eat grass. So is that, <laughs> but it gives you that ability. So to, if you're going to eat, uh, say, a uh, vegetarian diet, you can chew a lot of that with your front teeth. Uh, but to do some really serious chewing and, and stimulate that growth and development, you need those molars. So, and you need to, um, and I think the purpose of those are so you can eat meat personally. That's my opinion. Makes sense um, to me. Of course, I'm carnivore, so. <laughs> but I think really, I, I think we're really omnivores. That, that, that's yeah. what I would say based on our tooth structure. Why would we have such a, why would we just have molars? Or why don't we just have incisors? Yeah. Right. No. And no different than uh, Rudy over there on the bed, right? He has different teeth. He's not a vegetarian. Definitely not a vegetarian. And can gnaw on a bone for hours without breaking his teeth. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Impressive. (laughs) Awesome. This is really amazing information. I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to want to look more into the Julian Center, maybe come visit you guys, us in Maryland, and then we can do some biohacking, which we're about to transition into. Renee? Yeah, let's kick off the biohacking topic. I have a selfish question. I want to hear from the two of you, mom and dad. What is your biggest motivation to stay healthy? Like, why do you do all the things that you do? That's easy. Just to feel good. You want to feel good. You got to move your body, put good nutrition into your body. I don't know. It's getting great and wanting to face the day. That's my motivation. Love it. I'm certainly motivated by that too, but more so because I have too much to do in this lifetime. I don't have time to get sick. And I experienced that with COVID. I mean, I was frustrated <laughs> that I'm suddenly on my back and can't get stuff done. So as they say, it it takes a lot more time and a lot more money to get well after you're sick than to do prevention. I think that's a you know a known fact. But people t- typically wait until they get sick and then they get motivated. Oh, so, yeah. But I think that's always been. I think. Obviously, we're a family that sees that uh, importance to stay healthy as you can. Why use biohacking? Why, you know, and, and you guys talk about, you know, simple things like going for a walk, getting sunshine, you know, exercise, good sleep. All those things are important. And plus, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to serve the um, pharmaceutical company. <laughs> I don't want to feed them. <laughs> Understood. Um, I think you would agree to go a step further. Another layer is also like time efficiency. You're really busy. We're all pretty busy and you can be way more efficient, efficient with minimum effective dose 
and the biohacking tech that you have. Do you want to speak to that? Exactly. Well, you've been down our basement. You've said, (laughs) you know. For for the people that have not been in our basement. Yeah. So two things I think. We should do a YouTube video tour. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should. I think two things that. So for me, and, and Cindy, you can elaborate on your for your perspective. The two things that I uh, use the most are is the ARX uh, because I only need to use it once a week, and the Carol bike, which I only need to use for what twelve minutes three times a week. Uh, and I'm getting quite a workout. Am I getting as good a workout as someone that's going to the gym three hours a week? I think so, with a lot less strain. Uh, the recovery state is 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 easier. The, the it's pretty tough to injure yourself on the Carol bike or the ARX versus using free weights. Uh, and also it's convenient. So, and, and you all know that. And I know you probably think I'm crazy sometimes at nine 30, 10 o'clock, I'm going down <laughs> and working. Out. I do so, think you're crazy, but I would always argue you should get it in over not. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, but when you look at that, what's the chance of me getting my car and driving to the gym at 10 o'clock at night and actually doing a workout? I mean, yeah, no. So, well, Component of minimal effective dose. I, I'll during the day at work, if I have like a minute between patients or the doctor's checking my patient, I might be in the hallway doing a wall sit or doing lunges down the hallway or wall push ups. It's amazing how much I can squeeze in at work on a very busy day. Um, just keep moving. Um, it's, it's actually pretty simple. You just make it a regular habit. You are very good at that. Actually, we just sat down beginning of this podcast before we started. She was you know, it's been a busy morning and she was, mom was saying her brain was feeling maybe not as sharp and she started doing jumping jacks and now you're like, you're good, right? Move, <laughs> yeah, mom's good at that. It stimulates everything. It's great. Yeah. Sorry, I'm starting to get a little fuzzy here because it's getting dark in here. <laughs> Uh-oh, it's time to take this podcast outdoors into the sunshine. <laughs> Any advice there. that you want to give to parents or and or their children who want to get their families more interested in biohacking, health optimization, even without biohacking tech. I mean, your advice, mom, just to move more often is awesome. Anything you would add to that? I think being aware of uh, your surroundings and what's available to you. Uh, don't take it for granted. Uh, and I know you all talk about that all the time. Oh, I don't have time. It's just like somebody said, I don't have time to floss. Really? Uh, and I don't have time to do a 10-minute walk. Really? Then you've got time management issues. And I think that's a very, very bad habit to teach your children. I think, you know, we are the role models for the children. So get them out, especially with what's going on now in the world. Get your kids outside and get some sunshine, have them run around in the yard. This is the best thing you can do. And that's just, that's biohacking 101. Instead of keep them in the, in the house or with a mask on playing video games, stop that. You can, I'm not saying cut it out completely, but get them outside, get them moving. Talk to them a little bit about nutrition. Quit going to the uh, McDonald's drive-in, drive-through. Teach them, teach them healthy habits. And we see, and uh, Cindy, you you could you probably agree with this. It's amazing how many young children we have uh, that are influenced by their parents who really, really get this and understand it. It's amazing, and it's it's just I don't know. For me, it's it's heartwarming and enlightening when I see that when the kids talk about, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't eat candy or sugar, or, you know. So that's that's kind of my recommendation. Keep it simple. I mean, if you if you have the resources to look at things like you know the ARX or Carol bike or cold plunging cryotherapy, I mean, it, there's no end to it. The things that are available. Yeah, 
I would just add sometimes just putting something on the calendar. Like one of my favorite things about being here with you guys is our Saturday morning lake walk. It doesn't cost anything. We, there is no guesswork. We just know that every Saturday we're just going to the lake. So we're going to get outside grounding sunshine. We get to spend time together. It's like such a habit stack and it's no stress because we just already know we're going to do it. So mm-hmm. no biohacking tech involved, no money, everyone's together. So it could be just really as simple as that. Yeah. And, you know, parents can take their kids and just walk around the neighborhood, get outside, fresh air, hopefully fresh air, depends where you live. <laughs> so, um, and if you're out near where Renee is, where you got some great uh, hiking, uh, there's some good hiking around here too, but, you know, that's always a good family thing. You're socializing. Like you said, we walk around the lake, we're talking. So we're, you know, we're connecting. Versus when we get home, we're all on the phone and computer or whatever. So. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, not, except for Laura, never. Yourself. No. <laughs> never on my computer. <laughs> right. All right. To wrap this up, mom, can you give us a piece of advice that our audience can start doing today to optimize their health? One thing, one thing. I will repeat what I hear many of your guests frequently say, sleep is my superpower. Sleep, work on your sleep, whatever you can do to optimize your sleep. It's a tremendous time your body needs to reboot and you can do so many little things to make positive changes and get good sleep. Is there one thing that helps you sleep more than anything else? Try and keep a regular habit and, and watch not eating too late, not drinking alcohol. All of those things contribute to really good sleep. Awesome. Thank you. Dad, you're up. You took thing. mine. So I would say um, Netflix binging is, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> For the soul. Sometimes. Don't say that. That was a joke. <laughs> I would say um, find some quiet time uh, for yourself. And we do see a lot of parents that come in. They like, you know, I, I have kids running around. I have animals. They don't have time. Carve out whatever it is, 10, 15. I mean, obviously, uh, most meditation practices are at least 20 minutes. Find a dark place, go and just give yourself 20 minutes out of the day. Uh, you'll re again, reboot as you're talking about with good sleep. It'll just give you a whole different perspective. And again, what I found my experience is people will say, I don't have time is that you will become so much more effective and efficient because you're by that, you know, whatever it is by two, three, four o'clock and you're dragging. Uh, if you did a little uh, reboot with the 10 or 15, 20 minutes, you're back and running. I mean, it's, uh, and I know you guys talk about that. You like the brain tap and things like that, but it doesn't have to be a brain tap. You can just find some guided meditation. God, there's so many things now you can pull up on your phone. It's, it's so that's what I would recommend because I think yeah. so many people don't do that. Yeah, true. I feel like it gives you like a second day when you do that midtime, midday break. Oh yeah. Right. You like come out of it and you're like starting your day over. It's like a whole nother day. Mm-hmm. Instead of dragging the whole night. Yeah. And it's a simple thing. It doesn't require, you know, again, some expensive biohacking toy like the Rasha or uh, even, uh, you know, brain tap. Just quietness, find a good app, chill out. Chill Love out. Everything. <laughs> Great advice, mom and dad. Love it. This is awesome. Thank you so much, you guys. We are so proud of you. You are doing great things to the community. I'm appreciating your your journey along the way and watching, yeah, you've grown uh, and watching the podcast grow. How many followers you now have and everyone's looking to you guys for advice. So 
I'm glad that um, I was able to stimulate that with my first ear candling. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, gee. We've, come, we've come a long way from our Monday night Pizza Hut nights or whatever it was. Oh, my God. Yeah, but what I felt I so proud when I could bring that oh. stuff home to you. What I would give for a stuffed crust pizza. Come on. <laughs> so, so good. That's all right. By the way, they went out of it. They're not even there anymore. Yeah. Oh, not. good. No pizza. Well, we're so honored. I certainly learned a lot. I feel like we should do this more because I live under the same roof as you guys. And I just learned an immense amount of information today. And I'm sure their audience feels the same. So thank you both for joining us, mom and dad. My pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. It was awesome. I'm fading out here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So everyone, we are going to put a lot of stuff in the show notes for you so you can take a deeper dive. And if anyone has more questions about holistic dentistry or biological dentistry, let us know. We'll have mom and dad back on. I mean, I think this topic is super fascinating. Even, I mean, I worked at the Julian Center for seven years and still kind of work for the Julian Center. And uh, I'm always learning more from you both. So thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Welcome. I know, Renee, you remember we always said we're the best kept secret. Right. <laughs> yes. Keep if you are anywhere near Maryland, you have to go to the Julian Center. All right. Well, thanks I for mean, having us on. I'm flying home. Yes. I'm flying home to Maryland to go to the dentist. Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. We will see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.